Welcome to Almost 30. How's everybody feeling? How are you all? Welcome. My name is Krista Williams. And I'm Lindsay Simsek. So happy you're here. We know there's a lot of podcasts out there. So the fact that you found us and decided to listen, whether it's this one or previously, we're really grateful. Yeah, we're really grateful. We've been around for about six years now. We talk about spirituality, health, wellness, relationships, so many different things. And today's episode is really exciting. We have our friend Gabby Bernstein on to talk about her book, Happy Days. I love Gab. Yes. It's so nice. I, I remember the first time that we interviewed Gabby and I was so like that yes, nervousness around that. someone like Gabby who is, you know, very, very popular and, you know, has quite the platform and had probably at that time written like seven books. Mm -hmm. Now she's on her ninth. And, you know, now to have built a rapport, we went to her bestseller masterclass, spent time with her in person and have interviewed her a few times now. It's just nice to like arrive with her and mm -hmm. feel so comfortable because she does that to people too. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. When we met in person, it was crazy because I was like, oh, this is someone that I've looked up to and just being able to be in their energy. And I remember we shared our first episode with her. People from my like high school were like, oh, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> so this is a really great conversation about trauma and healing in her new book, Happy Days, which we got a little bit of BTS insight into at the bestseller masterclass we did of hers at Kerpalu in New York. Um, and she was writing it at the time and she was so passionate about it. She was so excited about it. And it feels really timely because I feel like there's so much conversation around trauma and healing and the process to heal mm -hmm. in the collective and on Instagram posts <laughs> and Instagram <laughs> graphics and everyone's yeah. talking about it, but it's really hard to understand how to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think for the most important piece of it is that it looks different for everyone based on everyone's experience or what everyone has access to. But in her book, she really helps to guide people through some of her um, most important healing tips and process. Yeah. We talk about self-regulation techniques for working through anxiety. So she gave us some really tactical things that you can do in the moment, You know, whether it's tapping, deep breath, um, and other techniques that I've I find to be really, really helpful. I feel like once you incorporate them, it becomes just what you do in the moment rather than searching for the relief from the anxiety. Um, we talk about big T and little t trauma, the mindset shifts that you can do um, that really are super, super powerful. For her, they, they definitely kind of usurped that like decades of personal work that she could have done, but these were really powerful for her. Why people feel stuck in patterns. We talked about kind of that pattern of always looking for the negative or always kind of defaulting to that, um, yeah, glass half full. And it becomes this like glass addiction. Glass half empty. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's our new yep. default. <laughs> you know what I do? I'm yeah, always looking honestly. at it half full. Yeah, but it's like, it becomes an addiction. Oh, yes. It's like a very, it's very safe catch, there. You catch yourself in it and you're like, whoa. Yes. I think it's a, I found where I grew up and when I was in the corporate world, that was how you related, was mm. on the, the glass half empty vibe where yes. it's raining again, it's cold again. Gosh, we have so much to do. You know, it was that was the entire relational conversation. And I remember when I was trying to get out of that and be more aware of what I was saying and what I was thinking, I started to, you know, kind of get into the spirituality space. And it was really hard 
you know, you felt really weird and different if you're like, how are you today? I'm amazing. I know. It was like you did something wrong. And, you know, just sending a lot of love for people in that situation. But um, when you start to move out of that, what's powerful is that it's not like my... I had to continue to, to revisit that same situation where I kept coming up against people that were in that spiral of ne- negativity and really addicted to that. It was almost like my frame changed. So the people I was surrounded with changed, my environment changed. And just by changing my own thought patterns and the way that I was interacting with the world, everything else sort of shifted. It didn't happen overnight, but it definitely shifted. So for anyone who's in that, who's really working to rewire their subconscious or their thought patterns or really trying to be more happy and positive with continued work, you know, your outside will reflect the joy of your inside. And I really loved when she talked about... um, you know, the parts of us that we might want to fix, heal, get rid of, and how we can really see those parts as like very purposeful in moments, you know, whether it is the anger or, you know, the sadness or any other emotion, it's, they can be incredibly helpful in navigating and protecting you in so many situations, whether it's in the past or now. Yeah, I just started to do internal family systems, which is what Gabrielle talks about in this, um, which is so powerful. I actually want to have the founder on of internal family systems because I just really got into it. And being in therapy for over a year, I had been, it had been the conversation around parts had been brought up, but it really was the last time where I was bringing up this situation where I was really triggered by two people in my life. And it was just kept coming up. And it's weird because... I was like, what is going on? And I realized what was happening is that my representative was really present for all of the interactions with this person. And I wasn't getting, like my representative was having a hard time reading their signals Mm. because they weren't really clear signals of like, I love you or I'm here for you or I you know, respect our friendship. Mm -hmm. So my representative was having a hard time reading them. She was like, "Do, do you like me or not? And my representative reaction is to really change who I am so that I can get a, get a clear signal from this person to know if they like me or not. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, feeding their ego or that's complimenting or that's only talking about them or whatever my protective strategies are. It was really that, it was really triggering me that my representative couldn't figure out how to make this person happy. And of course, we can go back into our life and our childhood and sort of see where this matches. But when we get to know the different representatives that exist in our life say it's you get really controlling. You might have a controlling representative, which really was something that Gabby talked about in her life. And these parts of us are so important because they protect us. You know, they are really there for our inner child when things get too tough. And when you really recognize and see them, you can love those parts of you and then you can get more comfortable with the true self. And it's interesting because once we identify all the parts or even part of the parts, because there's so many at times, you can often feel a void of wondering what the true self feels like because you're like, oh, wait, if I'm not controlling, who am I? Mm-hmm. If I'm not charismatic, who am I? If I'm not all these things, you know, you're unsure who you really are. And so part of that journey is really coming back to the self over and over again to really get to know that self essence, which is really when we feel the most beautiful, when we feel the most vibrant, when we feel the best in life is when we're in that true self essence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm 
I'm slightly familiar with IFS and Gabby actually, I think she went through the first level of training yes. to become a practitioner. Yes. And um, yeah, I've worked with it here and there in therapy. And I think for me, it's been so important to like hold these aspects of myself because I feel like I compartmentalize these parts and like tell them to sit over here and kind of like shame them a little bit. And so, <laughs> hey, you, <laughs> you're like a you piece of shit. Go in the closet. <laughs> that's another fuckhead. part. That's shame. That's I a know. shame. That's shaming part. I know. And it's, it's a shame for having needs. It's like these parts yes. have needs. I'm yes. going to shame you. And just to be able to like hold them, actually listen to them. Yeah. And then also be able to recognize, not that we're here to diagnose other people or try to manage that, but it does help to kind of look at another and be like, huh, that must be a part, mm-hmm. totally. <laughs> you know, that is speaking and that is, you know, fighting or defending or protecting. And even if you don't have a conversation around it, it does help me not to become like so resentful or yes. like, oh, this person. You know, yes. it's like, that's a part. It's like the the masks too. It's kind of like the same type of thing. And you can see this with your partner, you know, mm. when your partner's like at a dinner and you're like, oh, this is interesting. Mm. Like a part is here present mm-hmm. in this. And then you get home and they're, to- they're kind of different. Mm. And we do this too. You know, when we're at work, there's like a part representative that's sure. almost there when we're, at home chilling, it's it might be the true self. So um, we can also notice it in others, like you said, and just have more compassion for that. And also be more comfortable because you're like, oh, I understand why you're not acting the same that you did at home mm-hmm. as you are at dinner mm-hmm. because that wouldn't make sense mm-hmm. from like a con- contextual perspective. So we are definitely going to have an IFS deep dive with the founder, mm-hmm. hopefully. But maybe if you're in therapy, you could ask your therapist about IFS. Um, in this interview with Gabby, she talks a lot about her IFS journey. And we talked about her loss this year, um, which was really, you know, emotional. And I'm just mm-hmm. sending her all my love. And I know that was something that she was really working through. But I think you'll really love Happy Days. Gabby's one of our favorite authors. And we are going to be writing a book soon, leveraging her bestseller masterclass mm-hmm. information because it was so incredibly helpful. Yes. Cannot wait. GabbyBernstein.com. Her new book is Happy Days and it is out today. So please, please order Happy Days. And her podcast, Dear Gabby, is such a good one where she's really giving listeners her advice, her support, and it's super, super powerful. Thank you, Gabby, as always, for just being you and being so open and vulnerable and generous. We adore you. Thank you all for listening. And if you're curious about what else we do at Almost 30 or curious about who Kristen and I are, all the things, you can go to almost30.com. Yeah, and make sure you check out our blog. We are adding new posts every week. So we break down some of the most popular episodes and topics that we talk about on the show. So you have them in a really easy to digest, powerful way through our blog. Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram, one of our favorite spots to be, almost30.com. And we'll see you on the other side. Thanks, y'all. Bye. 
before we get into this episode, we'd love to tell you about something our friend is up to that we're super excited about. And that is Light Pink. Yeah, so proud of our friend, Lori Harder, who founded and created Light Pink. This is a low calorie, low sugar, rosé flavored wine spritz, and they have a non-alcoholic sparkling rosé. And it's really a community-based brand as well. So this is where ambitious women connect, support one another, open doors for one another, and just cheer each other on. And I just love the ethos behind this. Yeah, they have, they're fully female funded by a strategic lineup of powerful entrepreneurs, celebrities, and influencers. There's 54 women that have founded this company, which is amazing. And the non-alcoholic sparkling rosé is bomb. It's so good. It's so good. Justin will like that. He likes the alcoholic one. I like the non-alcoholic and it is so delicious. Yeah, we got a sneak taste before it is officially launched. They're launching this summer, but in the meantime, go join the light pink community by signing up for the spritz today it's a weekly newsletter that gives you the best business tips pop culture and also features women in their community who are doing epic things so go to lightpink.com l-i-t-e-p-i-n-k.com to sign up and to be the first to know about their launch that's lightpink.com to receive weekly updates and special offers I'm sitting on her right now, the Braxton sleeper sofa from Joybird. She's a star in our apartment. It creates an office lounge, podcast studio lounge, and a place for our guests to sleep. So it pulls out into beautiful bed. Um, I just can't say enough about Joybird. I feel like I talk about them all the time. Krista and I have, Krista and I have worked with and loved Joybird forever. Our LA studio is filled with just fabulous Joybird pieces that we get compliments on from guests all the time. And here in New York, I pulled in some Joybird pieces that I absolutely love, namely the Braxton sofa, Braxton sleeper sofa, and the Jolie swivel chair. It is the most fun chair of all time. And what I love about Joybird is that you can customize everything. So they have different... um, textures and fabrics and colors, and you will not be disappointed. Choose from over 18,000 customization options, um, but they also have curated collections to find the perfect piece for your one-of-a-kind style. You can also book a virtual showroom appointment to chat with a showroom stylist from the comfort of your own home. From design to ongoing care, Joybird has you covered. I truly love this brand. The best part, this furniture is the best quality. It is unbelievable. I'm going to have it forever. I truly am going to have it forever. No more am I buying from cheapy, cheapy places and throwing it out after a year or two. Uh -uh. Um, They have financing rates as low as 0% APR for up to 36 months. You can relax now and pay later. And Joybird is committed to creating quality furniture and a more sustainable future. Each piece is made with incredible care using responsibly sourced materials free of harmful chemicals. And through partnerships with groups like One Tree Planted, Joybird is helping conserve and restore Earth's most precious natural resources. And the quality craftsmanship is unbelievable. Stain and scratch resistant fabrics and limited time warranty. Uh, Joybird furniture can handle anything your family throws at it quite literally. And there's a 90 day return. So Joybird stands by its quality and craftsmanship. If it's not everything you hope for, send it back and get ready for Joybird's spring sale, baby. 
Not only will you be spring cleaning, but you'll be spring decorating. So I'm excited for you to create a space that brings you joy with Joybird. Visit joybird.com slash almost 30 and get 30% off your purchase. That's 30% off. This is a major discount. Please do not sleep on this. That's 30% off at joybird.com slash almost 30. Gabby, I'm so excited to have you. It feels really full circle because the bestseller masterclass that we mm-hmm. went to at Kerpalu, you were right, you were like finishing this book up and you were lighting up talking about it. You were so excited. You could barely contain yourself. And it was such a joy to like see a little bit behind the scenes of the process for writing this book and kind of hear how powerful it feels for you. So I'm just really excited to have you on today to actually talk about the book now that it's out. And it seems like the perfect book at the perfect time. I'd love to know just your inspiration for it. Well, I think that I became aware that this book needed to come out in 2016. In 2016, I had a memory, I had a dream that was a memory of a childhood trauma. And upon remembering that and accepting that there was a dissociation from a memory when I was a kid, that there was sexual abuse that I was unaware of, and recalling that back into my psyche was really clear to me, okay, Gabby, you are going to write about trauma recovery. And then this other element of me saying, not until you're ready and not until you're you're in recovery. Because right then and there, I was deep, thick of really acceptance and recognition and beginning a whole new phase of my personal growth. So in the last several years, I have, uh, what has it been, four or five, six years, six, seven years, I've been in a very uh, committed pursuit of undoing some of the post-traumatic energetic disturbances from my childhood that I had lived unaware of for two decades Mm -hmm. or more, really 36, 30-something years. And in my journey of undoing those patterns and restoring my, my, my nervous system, getting myself back to safety, I have had the profound experience of being able to know what it's like to recover from trauma. And yes, there's still work I'm working on all the time, but I am in a beautiful place now. And so that's why this is coming out now not for any other reason. Yes, it's God's plan. And yes, it's absolutely guided because looking at the world right now, this book is so necessary and will be so well received by people all throughout the world. But what's most beautiful about it for me is that it's coming out when I was really, really able to stand steady and grounded in the truth that recovery is real, that it's totally possible, that you can, that you can grow, that you can heal, that you can become, that you can return to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, there can be an over-identification with um, this, this state of not being able to recover and that trauma can define you. I'm curious, did you ever have that moment of feeling like this would be more of the mark of something that you would have to live with forever. Mm -hmm. What was that like? How did you begin to unravel that? I'm a doer, as you guys know, I am an action taker. So when there's something that's not settling for me, I'm going to take action to heal, to 
move through, whatever it is. That's just my nature. It's part of why I do what I do because I'm not going to sit around and be in the muck. I want to be free. And I've been in this pursuit of freedom my whole life. I actually said like, it took me 42 years to write this book. But what I will say is there were times in my journey, in my recovery, where I was still committed to that freedom and still showing up for therapy every week, multiple therapy sessions a week, and still doing my own practice and still developing my own ability to get closer to my sense of safety, but still like a little nervous, like, am I going to get there? Like, Mm -hmm. is this possible to undo? And I'm still undoing it. I'm still undoing it. But I am so on the other side and have such a great sense of safety within, Mm -hmm. mentally, physically, spiritually, that I don't feel like a victim. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like there's no end. The the end is like I am there. The end is here in sight. And there's just still a little bit more shining of the crystal. Mm. And that's actually such a valuable message to say out loud, to express to people. Because one of my intentions of this book is to help anyone, whether they have trauma with a big T, like they've been raped or they've had child abuse or they've been neglected or they've lost a loved one as as a young person, or trauma with a small T, lived through COVID, living through COVID. We've all been traumatized. No matter what the trauma is that you've experienced, that this intention for this book is that you can witness someone else's miraculous recovery and all the steps that it took to get there. And in that witnessing, one, recognize that you're not alone. And two, recognize that there's a guide that even if you don't have a therapist or if you don't have, I kind of joke around, like I'm kind of a little codependent with my reader right now because I want my reader to feel Mm -hmm. my presence. I want my reader to know that they are being led, that this is a gentle path, that I am overly conscious of their safety, that I am consistently saying, slow down if this is too much, Mm -hmm. bring it to a therapist, come back when you're ready, try this to regulate right now. And that they have now a energetic guide in my voice, if they're listening, in my print, if they're reading, and that that intention and that energy is in every reprint and every replay of the audio that this reader can feel that they have someone that cares about them, guiding them and watching them and carrying them through this journey. Mm. And then to take from my journey to say, oh, wow. Oh, it's 11-11 right now, by the way. Yes. But to say, oh, wow, you know, that's an interesting thing that she did. Let me try that out. Or this thing that she's introducing me to doesn't feel right for me. I'm going to try that other one, right? So just to see, you don't have to do all the things I did. I'm just here to be a guide and to introduce you to the modalities that have saved my life. I want to talk a little bit about big T and little t trauma. Mm-hmm. This was something that we learned about when we went to um, a healing group uh, therapy workshop. It was called Onsite. And I actually didn't know about the concepts of big T and little mm-hmm. t. And that for me was incredibly liberating because I feel like there was a huge part of me that denied the aspects of myself that felt neglected or felt abused or felt traumatized. And it really helped me to recontextualize a kindness and a compassion for my younger Mm -hmm. self, for my teen self. What was your experience of discovering about big T and small T trauma? And how can our readers use this to really liberate themselves, to remind themselves that there's so much compassion available to them? Well, one thing that we all do, whether it's big T or small T trauma, is we minimize it. Because there's a lot of shame in trauma. So there's shame in the idea that we could have been abused or there's shame in the idea that we could have been neglected or there's shame in the idea that we were bullied or that we lost something or that we have some kind of tragedy. So 
that shame is such a driver for so many of us that it really is another way that we will play it down. And then in other cases, we might use it as a way to play it up, right? So the victim mentality, let me be, let me just wear it like a badge of, of honor. I've been through all this. So there's different ways that we will approach our perception of our traumatic experiences. But what I'm hearing you say that's so beautiful is that by recognizing that there's different types of trauma, that there's really, you know, intense traumas, like a big T trauma that may have rocked somebody, rocked their system, affected their psyche, affected their their brain chemistry. And there's other instances where someone had an experience that was still super traumatizing, even though it may not qualify as a big T trauma but to really give voice to that too. In all of my career, anyone that comes to listen to me, read my books, they're coming because of a core wound. And that core wound is a, a trauma. It's an energetic disturbance that they want to recover and, re- and reprocess. Whether they realize it or not, or whether they've named it as trauma, it doesn't matter. It's just recognizing that there's a wound that needs repair. And the word trauma is so shunned and and silence and they almost like if it's like the t word you know it's like the 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 ghost like you don't want to mention it in the room mm-hmm. right but the more we normalize it the more we accept the reality that we're all traumatized we've all had experiences in our life that have separated us from the source of safety within and that we have the power to restore that safety mm-hmm. then it's no longer something that we have to fear or silence. And it's not something that we have to necessarily uh, hide behind, mm. but it becomes just a human condition that we all have the power to re- reorganize. How did it show up for you as far as whether it's behavior or feelings, anxiety, perhaps it showed up in the body, um, your emotional body? How did it show up for you and how did you begin to regulate? So if people are listening and, you know, I I feel like I met my anxiety late in life and I was like, Mm -hmm. what is this? (laughs) Uh, It was like, you know, I'd been like in my twenties, you just, you, you drink, you go out, you kind of numb out in different ways, dating a lot. It's like, and then all of a sudden I'm 30 and I'm like, oh, this, this, this feeling. And I felt it so much in my body as well, just in my nervous system, like you were saying before. So how did it show up for you? And then if if someone is feeling this anxiety, feeling it in their body and emotional body, how can they begin to tend to it and regulate it? I have a whole chapter in the book that is devoted to the body and the somatic experience. And I introduce SE, which is somatic experiencing, which is a, a, a body-based therapy that is very spiritual and uh, really subtle and really about restoring that inner sense of safety mm. and also helping the, the body regulate and helping you feel empowered by your own ability to self-regulate and, and really reconnect to the presence of, of safety. I, like you, met my anxiety late in life and I had the experience of being very dissociated and very disconnected physically. And so in the journey of my recovery from the trauma, I really reclaimed my connection to my body and actually almost like re-inhabited my body. Mm -hmm. So coming back to the body is a huge part of the recovery process. Mm. 
so many traumatized souls are disembodied. Mm-hmm. It's like a soul departure, truly. Mm-hmm. At some point in time, a, a, a piece of our soul separates from our physical presence mm-hmm. and checks out mm-hmm. until we are safe enough to reclaim it and retrieve it. And I've been in the journey of retrieval now. I've been, uh, I'm now a level one certified uh, student of internal family systems therapy. Cool. Mm. Yeah. And IFS is one of the most profound practices that has just changed my life. Yes. I have written about, there's a whole chapter about, there's two chapters about IFS in the book. And I befriended the founder, his name is Dick Schwartz. And in my personal therapy for the past decade, my therapist is, an, is a parts therapist, an IFS therapist. And so I've experienced it firsthand as a client, as a patient, and now on the other side as a practitioner. And what this model has given me is a way of helping connect all these different parts of me. So we have all these different parts of ourselves. We've got these protector parts that work really hard to protect us from ever experiencing, remembering, or feeling those exiled child parts, the abused child, the bullied child, the neglected child, all those younger parts that are called exiles. We put them under lock and key. We say, nope, not going there. See you later. Bye-bye. And we build up all these protection mechanisms that are different parts of who we are. So my protector parts were the controller. Anytime the little child fell out of control, the controller would come in and say, no. A protector part was the cocaine addict. You know, she was doing a lot to numb out the feelings, right? A protector part was uh, knives out, the part of me that wants to just like immediately fight back and like yell and scream if somebody was doing something I didn't like. These parts all had valuable roles in keeping me safe and keeping me, um, keeping my system from, you know, over, over being overloaded with emotion. But and, but they were very extreme in their roles. And so the goal of internal family systems is to really establish the greatest connection of all, which is the connection to self energy, self. And self is what you might call higher self, God, the God within you. In many practices, self is, is known as the observer. And so self in this instance is the internal resourced adult part of who we are that knows with love and compassion that every part is good, that is calm, that is curious, that is just really there for the whole system. And so the more we connect to that self-energy, just like in any practice, the more you connect to your higher self or higher power or your inner guidance system, the more that system, that, that self-energy, that higher wisdom can be the leader rather than the protector parts. So the closer I've gotten to self and the more I've been able to let self lead, the easier it is for these protector parts to relax mm. and step back, do the, do the things they do well, but not do all the stuff that's so crazy and chaotic. And in that, in that process, I've allowed myself to lay down those protection mechanisms and in that almost putting down the shields, created a safer environment for me to get to know the child parts in my therapy. And I introduce all this in the book because we all are coming to these experiences in our life with our protectors. We're showing up to a book like this with all of our protectors ready, on guard. And the more that you can awaken to and without judgment witness the parts of yourself that are in that fierce, extreme protection, Mm -hmm. the sooner you can begin the process of befriending those parts, those protector parts and 
letting them step aside, letting them relax, letting them settle, and letting that self-energy be the leader of your whole system. And so it's a, it's a lot, and I really do my best to simplify it in the book and to give the reader the opportunity to recognize that there's a different way of living mm. through this type of per, new perception of your life and who you are. It's so interesting because I've just been on the internal family systems tip and therapy too. I always heard the term and I never understood the parts until I understood it. And I was like, oh, this is making so much sense to me that it's almost like my representative is present for certain situations where it's this protector part of ourselves. And isn't it interesting? Like I always think about the part of myself that's sometimes representative or one of the parts. It's like this part has actually been really successful because for mm-hmm. me, it's to avoid talking about myself. It's to fully focus on the other person because I'm really scared that I'm going to be rejected because I'm not interesting or whatever the concept is. And for you, it's like the controlling part of you is in a way very successful because look at you your life. You wrote nine books in 11 years. Exactly. <laughs> How do you reconcile that? Here's the answer. And this is actually the title of Dick Schwartz's most recent book. There are no bad parts. Mm. All of the parts have a very important role in the system. It's just that the protector parts have been in extreme roles. They've been putting out the fire of all the, you know, fear of ever going there again, or they've been managing all the details of not having to feel that feeling. So the goal of IFS is not to abolish the parts and just get rid of the parts or the protectors or the exiles. It's about getting the protector parts out of their extreme role. One of the questions in IFS therapy is if you weren't saying to the part, right? Saying to your, um, the part of you, Krista, that's, that's in the place right now of um, saying, I want to focus on everybody else so that I don't have to worry about not, not being mm-hmm. good enough, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, if we were to talk to that part, if she wasn't working so hard to focus on everybody else, what would she be doing? And first of all, I want to apologize because I don't know no. if she's a she. Sometimes these parts have oh, mixed gender. Yeah, You can decide. You tell me if it's a she or yeah. a he. So mm-hmm. I would just be sharing about whatever I'm experiencing or I would just be able to be myself without full focus on the other, where it's like full focus on the other. So I'm giving so much energy on the other in avoidance of the self. So I wouldn't abandon myself. You wouldn't abandon yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just went right into it without a lot of yes, the lead of up. Yeah, yeah. But that's because I know you can and because you're doing it. But yeah. what I, I love about that question is if you weren't in your extreme role, what else would you be doing? Yes. And so for me, now that the controller is doing great work and doing her part to manage a team of 25 and to lead the team, but to also really develop other leaders so I can step aside. And the controller still has a very valuable role. She's doing a lot of work. She's launching mm-hmm. a book right now but she's not in her extreme role anymore. So what is she doing instead? She's having a lot more fun. She's much more relaxed. She's enjoying her life. She's just letting other people take the lead. So there's so much that she's able to do now, now that she's not in this extreme pattern. And so that's what's so beautiful is that when we help these protectors become less extreme, then they can have more fun. And do you find that when you give those parts of you the ability to rest or pull back a little bit and not be in that extreme mode, that the dynamics in your relationships just change because of that change? Or do you bring in people into your process? Because Mm. I guess I'm thinking about like family, you know, and 
Mm-hmm. I think when you're doing work like IFS, I'm thinking about everybody else's parts as well, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is not okay, a part so that's of the really process. Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> Excellent question. Excellent. So there's, there's multiple questions in that. So I'm going to answer them all. First, you when you practice internal family systems for yourself, it's really hard not to see everybody else's parts, but yes. it's beautiful. You don't want to look at them from like this like therapist angle, like, oh my God, there's our part. I got to go fix it. <laughs> no, everybody's responsible for their own shit. But we what we do what we do have this beautiful opportunity to do is to see others through the lens of compassion because rather than seeing that person you work with in their controller defensive part or let's call it a defensive part that's a big one that comes up in work I relationships mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so <laughs> rather than seeing that defensive part as like an asshole you can say oh they're protect that's a protector mm-hmm. that protector is up right now and so it's fun funny that you ask that you bring this up because i'm actually applying the IFS model in my business and how I run my team. And I'm going to write a book about you know, business and IFS at some point and how to be a self-led leader and how to be able to... And it saved me so many times. I've, now I can... If you speak to people from a place of self, you can say anything. So I've been able to witness my team members when they're in a protector. And from my self-energy, which is compassionate and calm, I can say, you know, I'm noticing that this isn't really working out the way that we really had planned. And I need to feel more supported here, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But however I say it, if it's coming from self, it's always going to come out right. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, this isn't bringing the parts conversation to people that don't know it yet or far from it is a little too much. So <laughs> what I would say is, Focus on your side of the street. Mm-hmm. You will start to notice everyone else's parts. And so your job there is just to be compassionate, to see them with compassion, to see them with, and to, to take a beat and say, mm-hmm. okay, I noticed that there's a part of me that wants to be reactive to this protector part right now and do your own work. Mm-hmm. What does that reactive part need? What do, I, what do I notice about it? What does it need from me right now to not react? Maybe it needs to step away. Maybe it needs to take a deep breath. Maybe it needs to go journal. Maybe it needs to, to excuse itself. So there's that. The other thing is, is that when IFS is practiced within relationships, it's just miraculous. Like it's just so mind-blowing. And I talk about that a lot in the book as well. But the biggest goal is for you to really connect to your own self-energy so you can start to realize that there's a totally different way of living. And you can live without being reactive, without being so extreme, without being so addicted, without being so afraid. Mm -hmm. And it's available. And I introduce it in the book. We hope you're enjoying this conversation. We're going to take a few moments to share brands with you that we love and who support this show. This morning, I put on my amazing each and every deodorant and I just put a smile on my face because I know I can go to my workout with my natural, amazing plant-based deodorant and feel good. You know what I've been doing? I've been putting on different (laughs) scents, (laughs) one in the morning and one in the evening. I do the lavender and lemon in the morning and then coconut and lime in the evening before I go to bed. Do you put on deodorant before you go to bed? It's kind of my thing. I don't, but I put it on every single morning and I have one in my, I actually keep each and every in my car because it's like the perfect place when you're somewhere, you might be done with a workout and you just need a little slather of deodorant. But I have searched far and wide for the perfect deodorant and I swear that each and every is it. It is all day odor protection, no aluminum, sensitive skin friendly, and it has no irritating baking soda or alcohol in it. It's also cruelty-free and vegan. It has sustainable packaging from sugar 
cocaine. It is incredible. We know you're going to love it. So head to eachandevery.com slash almost 30 and use the promo code almost 30 for 30% off your first purchase. That's a major discount. I would stock up for you and your loved ones. Eachandevery.com slash almost 30. Use the promo code almost 30. I get this question so much. What is your preferred meditation and mindfulness app? And so I... I'm so excited. I'm recommending my fave, Open. Open is a mindfulness studio. It's offering experiences that combine breath work, which is one of my favorites, meditation, yoga, Pilates, and more to support your transformation and personal development. What I love, one of the one of the things I love most is the experience of like entering into the world of the app. So sometimes when we're on our phones and we go into these apps, I'm like, oh God, just being on an app like takes me out of it. It is so beautiful, so peaceful. And the music that they incorporate into each of their sessions is just so divine. I can't even describe it. They work with musicians and DJs to really curate this experience. Uh, You can practice with open live or on demand with their library of meditation, breathwork, yoga, and Pilates classes on the app or on the website. So open is different than other apps because their teachers are leaders in mindfulness and meditation. The teachers are really really top-notch and community. The community rocks. It's actually really cool to be on during a live uh, class and be able to chat with people in the chat. You can talk to teachers and other community members during the live classes via that chat box. It's just genuine connection, which I think helps me to have a little accountability as well. Um, They have three modalities on the app, breath, meditate, and move. And uh, Their three class modalities are designed to enhance the mind-body connection and bring you to really that state of presence. And as I said before, music, music rocks. So they partner uh, with musicians, record labels, producers, sound designers, and DJs to co-create classes and enhance the mindfulness experience. So if you want to try open, I'm so excited for you. You can try open for 30 days, totally free, 30 days of access. When you go to open-together.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30. So use the link in our show notes, open-together.com slash almost 30, and then use the code almost 30. You're going to get 30 days totally free. Why do you think then most people get stuck in that pattern of feeling unhappy or feeling unworthy or feeling in love? And what can they do to, to move out of that? Negative patterns are merely protectors in extreme roles. Mm-hmm. So a pattern like alcoholism, mm-hmm. a pattern like being defensive all the time, a pattern like you know always yelling when somebody says something that's somewhat freaky right? or some, something that's like challenging. Mm-hmm. That's just a protector in its extreme role. And so the more we become aware of those protector parts and the more we let those protector parts know that there is a higher self here to be more compassionate and curious and caring and really show up for them, the more they can step back, the more they can relax, the more they can just observe, be curious, And then hopefully with the help of 
a book like Happy Days or through therapy, they can become less extreme. And therefore, when they become less extreme, the patterns can be dismantled. Mm-hmm. They can just do the, they, they can have more fun. Mm-hmm. Krista can ask more questions. Yes, mm-hmm. little Chris. Or sorry, <laughs> questions of herself. Right? Yes, honestly. <laughs> Literally, I'm like, that's, that sounds great up. to that part. <laughs> My part is like, really yes. that sounds really safe, right? So Krista can really speak up He's, more yes. and have her voice heard yes. and, have, and just have more fun. Yes. Fun is underrated. And it is ple- it's really nice to see you in such so much fun. I feel mm-hmm. like I've always seen you enjoy, but there is like a different feeling when you're feeling in that joy, you're feeling in that pleasure. And I feel like for myself, like along my journey, I felt like I was happy or I felt like I was enjoyed, but there's a different like embodied joy that you feel when you are happy. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like the feeling of joy and ease that you have right now and how maybe in the past it wasn't like that. It was kind of the temporary high. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's be real. I believe that we can be on the path towards freedom, which is what I promise in the book is freedom. If you follow the steps and you really commit You can be on that journey towards freedom for many, many years, decades even. But if you're on that committed, desired path towards freedom, you can trust that there will be great relief and joy along the way. So even if you're not fully free, you can show up for that therapy session and feel a little bit more relief or read that book, Happy Days, and feel a little bit more relief and go apply one of the methods and feel some more relief and then continue on that steadfast journey towards freedom with a lot of relief along the way. So I want to make sure that everyone listening, while they're on their path, doesn't feel like, I'm not going to get there or or, I can't feel joy because I'm not there yet. There's no there. There's the journey and there's the joy along the way. But the more you add up those moments of relief, the more free you become. And that's really what this book is. It's a retelling of the journey to freedom. Mm-hmm. And all the practices and methods and spiritual principles and therapeutic practices that I've used to get there. And to your to your beautiful observation, I am never felt more free than I do now. I finally feel that felt sense of safety in my body. I finally feel that great sense of ease, free from anxiety, free from from the need to control, free from the protectors. Took a lot of commitment and devotional practice to get to this place here now. Mm-hmm. And I'm still working on it. Mm-hmm. Still working on getting to even more freedom. Mm-hmm. And I will be my whole life. I'll continue to be my whole life. But listen, you know, it works. It really works. You guys know uh, I lost a pregnancy. I lost a baby, really. It was a five and a half month old baby in utero. So I hadn't been born yet, but I was. I did a year of IVF got one healthy embryo out of it. He became a pregnancy and lost that pregnancy after five and a half months. He was still alive and I had to let him go because he wasn't getting what he needed from me, from my placenta. That experience was such a beautiful moment for me to witness the decades of personal growth and spiritual development as like a beautiful pillow to land on, Mm. to be able to be, it's two and a half months since it's happened, Mm -hmm. to be so resilient, to be so at ease and so faithful after going through something that's 
so many women go through, but it's, it's so traumatizing to come out the other side. And listen, I want to be real. It helps a lot that I had a three-year-old perfect little man at home that made a big difference. But even still, it could have been just horrific. And so to be able to come out the other side so resilient and so faithful was just one of the most beautiful things that came of that. So, like, oh, wow, you know, 20 years of hard work for real success here. This is the, these are the moments when you say, holy shit, this works. Mm. And so I just want to be a voice of freedom for my reader. I want to be a, I want to be a power of example for the reader to know that there is freedom, that there is a way of living that is so peaceful and is so joyful and that is so led and you can do less and attract more and have a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it is really, really beautiful to see. And I'm curious just how, at, you know, at this point after so many years of work and having this, you know, traumatizing experience with losing the baby, how you moved through grief this time um, Mm -hmm. with what you know about yourself and the tools that you have and the spiritual practices that you have. Can you give us a little glimpse into what that looked like? Well, I kept kept coming back to this phrase that I was moving through grief with grace. And I still have to go back and revisit what that experience was because some of it I still need to heal, right? Some of it is deep and buried and it's like mm, holding on to that for a few months away from now or I can have yeah. some space to face, face those mm-hmm. feelings. But the beautiful thing that I witnessed in the process of grief, which I'm still moving through because, you know, there's certain things right now. Like if I see somebody posting a sonogram picture on Instagram, I just go, I literally just like, I'm like done, mm-hmm. out, check it out, you know, shut, shut that shit down yeah. because that really is triggering for me. Mm-hmm. So I know I still have some more work to do, but even in the midst of it, I can, I let myself not be there when I wasn't there and be there when I was. And I didn't feel the pressure of being like in this overwhelming flood of emotion. I also noticed how beautifully powerful and effective my dissociative Mm. part, that protector part, how important she is Mm. in my life. Because at that time in the first month of this experience, she was really protective of me. She was really strong and she was really checked out. And then she'd dip in and then she'd check out for another few days and then she'd dip in slightly and then she'd check out. And I was saying out loud, because I could be the witness of her. I could say that dissociative part is so great. I'm so grateful for her. And she's working really hard right now so that I don't get flooded. So I don't lose my shit. And I'm aware of her and I will allow her to step, step aside slowly, but right now I need her. And so to be able to see that part and really use her wisely at that time really helped as I moved through the grief, as I continue to move through the grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's so profound because I do think, yeah, it's so profound to think about that, like those parts of us where we're even right now, it's so popular to be like, don't dissociate, you know, feel the feelings. And that's true. You know, there, there's 
there's a truth in that. But then there also is too this like honorance and acknowledgement of that part of us that's like, ooh, not right now. You know, I'm going to feel this slowly. I'm going to feel this over time. I'm going to feel this when I have this space and grace. And thinking about the first situation, you know, that brought you to writing this book and really going through this huge evolution that you've gone through, was there ever a part of you that was like, dang, I thought I was really good or I thought I had like my healing down or, you know, I never saw this coming. Like, was there ever that part of you that's like, wow, I can't believe this is part of my path and journey right now? (laughs) So in the book, oh my God, I sound like such a head case, but it's actually all God's plan. All the things that have happened in my life have happened because I needed to live to tell the recovery story. So in the book, I write a chapter called Don't Call Me Crazy. And it's a chapter that begins with me in the back seat of my car with my four-month-old baby on my way to my in-law's house for Mother's Day. And I'm saying under my breath, I want to die. Mm. Because I was living with undiagnosed postpartum depression Mm. that went without a diagnosis for many months because I was too holistic Mm -hmm. to get the psychiatric help I needed. Mm -hmm. And I was too, you know, stuck on the wellness path and Mm -hmm. bullshit Mm -hmm. that I bought into that didn't let me get to the medication I needed. Mm -hmm. And when I was going through that experience, that was the darkest time of my entire life. Way darker than cocaine addiction. Way worse. Worse than remembering trauma going through the experience of postpartum depression was, was, could have, would have killed me if I hadn't really gotten the help I needed. At that point, there was a moment of like, really? Like, do I really have, like, I've been through so much. Do I really fucking have to do this now? And as soon as I got on the medicated path and started to feel better, I was like, yep, yeah, I did have to do that because I need to be a spokesperson for really shifting the shame and speaking loudly and proudly about what it means to take psychiatric medication when you need it and to get help and to not dumb down what the postpartum experience mm-hmm. is. And all right, thank you, God, for using me. Thank you for saving me so I could get through this, even though it took longer than it should have. Thank you for using me in this way. And most importantly, you know, for me, That journey through psychiatric support also gave me a safer baseline to do deeper therapeutic work. Mm. So I know it's all for the highest and best. Mm. So, but there was a moment there. I was like, really? Fuck, man. Or? Yes. Sometimes I'll do that too. I'm like, oh God. (laughs) You you just like come up against it. You're like, here we go. You kind of feel like you almost Mm. want to be done. But in our interview with you, I think it was the, we did in person in New York, you were coming sort of out of the other side of that. And I remember like the truth and like the gravity of what you had been through felt very, very real as far as postpartum. And I remember meeting you and I was like, wow, that, yeah, I could, you could just feel the energy of how deep that was mm-hmm. for you. It was crazy. Yeah. I still even some more, yeah. you know, talking about the shining the crystal, right? So there's like so much freedom. And then you're like, okay, well, there's still the sonogram image I have to work with. And then there's still like, you know, some PTSD around sleep, you know, because if, if I ever have a sleep thing, I'm like, whoa, you know, because that was what was really up. Insomnia was a big part of that depression. So there's still little bits that you yeah. want to witness and notice and still continue to work with because it's, the journey doesn't end. It's a beautiful journey. Mm-hmm. And you can be so, you know, the freedom just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We'll be back in just a moment. But first, we want to share a little bit about the sponsors who support this episode. 
I am a comforter snob (laughs) and I have finally found, and I've been using it for well over a year and you've probably heard me talk about it. I found my favorite comforter. Buffy has created the best comforter you've ever slept with. This comforter has over 18,000 five-star reviews. So if you don't believe me, there's lots of other people. One of my favorite things about the Buffy comforter is that it keeps you at the perfect temperature. So you feel cozy without overheating. I'm an overheater. (laughs) The cloud comforter is covered in ultra breathable eucalyptus fabric. It's softer than cotton and naturally soothes the skin. It's sustainable. Eucalyptus uses 10 times less water than cotton to grow and its fiber is produced using recyclable earth-friendly solvents. It's hypoallergenic. So people out there who have allergies, um, please note, and its high thread count shuts out dust, mold, and mites for a healthier sleeping environment. It's machine washable. Um, It has this really innovative stitching pattern that keeps its fluff in place so you don't have to worry about it moving all around. And its fill is made from 100% recycled water bottles. Um, It is unbelievably comfortable. I love it. Sean loves it. We have a great night's sleep and I'm so excited. Buffy offers a free trial. You can try a comforter in your own bed for free. If you don't love it, return it at no cost at all. So get ready for your best night's sleep. $20 off your Buffy comforter is yours when you go to buffy.co and enter the code almost 30. That's buffy.co and enter the code almost 30. You're going to get $20 off your Buffy comforter. And remember, they offer a free trial so you can try a comforter in your own bed for free. If you don't love it, return it at no cost. But trust me, you're going to love it. Buffy.co, use the code almost 30 and you'll get $20 off. The truth is feeling my best starts with what I eat. How about you? Sakara has helped me not only live healthy, balanced, but really like enjoy eating healthy. So if you don't know Sakara. Ooh, I'm excited for you. This is a meal delivery brand with delicious plant-rich meals and functional wellness essentials. And truly, you will be living radiant, baby. I promise you. So these ready-to-eat meals um, are chef-crafted. They're so unique. You will be floored. It'll feel like you have a private chef. I promise you, and you deserve it. They have breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, and they're made with powerful plant-based ingredients, helping boost your energy, support your digestion, curb your sugar cravings, and get your skin glowing. Plus, it is all delivered at your front door. I mean, truly, what is better? I'm pumped because I'm getting my delivery next week and I'm excited for the Thai burger. This is sweet potato-based burger with rainbow slaw, roasted root fries, and almond butter ginger drizzle. I'm also really pumped for the Saqqara style pasta bolognese. Okay, lentil pasta, azuki bean tempeh, and sauteed greens. They also have bomb breakfast. The roasted pear pancake is so good. Um, It's paired with a cinnamon banana jam. Say no more. So check out Sakara. You will not be disappointed. And I'm so excited for you guys because you get 20% off your first order when you go to sakara.com slash almost Sakara. S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash almost Sakara to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash almost Sakara. How have you worked with your own personal like dogma? Like you mentioned, we're so on the holistic path that you were 
not really considering going to, to a psychiatrist or being on medication. How has that shown up in other ways for you? Because we've we've spoken to a lot of people in the wellness space and there have been some that have been, yeah, it's been so inspiring for us because I think we're so in it that we're mm-hmm. like, this is how yes. we do it. This is the food, the type of food we eat. And so how do you strike that balance between having the values and some healthy dogma, but then also being flexible mm-hmm. and allowing yourself to evolve? I believe that God is in the medication. I believe that God is in the doctor. I believe that God is in the green juice. I believe that God is in the coach or the yogi or whatever it may be that you are guided to. And when we don't see it that way, then we can become really, really limited Mm -hmm. in our ability to receive the true support that we need. Because if you think it's just this way, then you might die from that. Mm-hmm. But you got to be open. And I mean that. I mean, like I would have died. For, I would have literally died. I would have died. Mm-hmm. Or I would have been put into a psych ward. Mm-hmm. Or I would have ultimately been medicated. Mm-hmm. So, because that's where it takes you. You know, I've, I've, I've been a first responder for so many women with postpartum depression. And I've picked up the phone with women I didn't even know in the psych ward. Mm-hmm the women on their way to wanting to commit suicide. And I I truly am a first responder for anyone who's in that suffering. Mm -hmm. Random people, I'll get on the phone with them. Mm -hmm. And I say that because if you don't give yourself the permission to open up to other modalities and see that there's God in all of it, then you are not, it's, it's that beautiful parable of like, you know, you're on the boat and the boat's sinking and like, or like you're, you're drowning. I can't remember. The guy's mm-hmm. drowning and the God sends him a boat. And he's like, oh, I don't yes. want a boat. I, mm-hmm. I can't remember. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, God, you know, like, where were you? I'm dead now. And God's like, I sent you a fucking boat, you know? Yes. Like, yes. It's like <laughs> take the fucking medication, yes. right? Or, or, or listen to the, trust what's being led to you. Yes. And so much of what's in happy days is it's a guided path, right? So, the thing that's such a through line throughout this book is that spirit is in all of it. Spirit is in the addiction. Spirit is in the AA. Spirit is in the IFS therapist. Spirit is in the somatic experiencing therapist. Spirit is in the EMDR. Spirit is in the EFT. Spirit is in the, you know, the medication. It's all in the guided path. Mm-hmm. I would love to talk about... Um some self-regulation techniques that people can use and work through because it's so important that we are able to self-regulate. And I realized how powerful that is for my path as a leader, as in a relationship, as a friend. So I'd love to talk about some of the techniques that you use, um, especially for anxiety. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a whole chapter in the book with body-based practices for getting yourself back to safety and really getting to a baseline of safety in the moment. Uh, One is a beautiful head hold and heart hold. So your right hand on your heart, your left hand on your head, and just doing that hold and breathing deeply with that hold is extremely grounding and heart centering. Mm -hmm. And that in itself just is a sense of safety. Or your right hand on your heart and your left hand on your belly and just breathing deeply, deep belly breath, just feeling that feeling of safety. Even affirming to yourself in the moment, I am safe. Mm-hmm. 
using EFT tapping, tapping on this gamut point, which is like the holy shit point. And you're really anxious. It's right in between your pinky finger and your ring finger, tapping on that little meaty part and just saying, I'm safe. I am safe. Mm. I am safe. And just repeating, I am safe. I am safe. And breath work, you're breathing in for two strokes quickly out one. When I wake up in the middle of the night to pee and then I can't fall back asleep, that gets me back to sleep. Mm-hmm. So there's just countless tools like that inside mm-hmm. the book. Meditations, go-to practices, tapping techniques, all of it's there because I talk about all these therapeutic principles and some people might be like, screw you, Gabby, I can't afford this. Well, one, I give them resources so that they can find free or affordable ways to get to those practices. But I also give them real-time practices that they can start to use right away. Mm -hmm. So I want to be that. It's a self-help book. It's not, Mm -hmm. you know, read this and then, you know, here's all the money you have to spend on therapy. Well, I would say, yes, go invest in therapy with whatever money you have. But at the same time, here's some practices you can use now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes the mind's like, it can't be that easy that Yes. Two deep inhales and then an exhale mm-hmm. makes me feel, you know, it's, we kind of overcomplicate and, and overanalyze the simplicity of the process that could be so powerful. Mm. But let's address that because mm-hmm. for someone who's not having a biochemical d- depression or anxiety condition or any kind of biochemical condition, the, the, the monkey mind is going to, you know, the ego is going to say, oh, that's not going to work, but it will work, mm-hmm. right? If you are having a biochemical condition where you're having a postpartum experience or you have a diagnosis of depression or a diagnosis of anxiety disorder, you may need more mm-hmm. than just your breath. Mm-hmm. But it goes both ways. You don't just want to take the meds and not breathe, right? So mm-hmm. it's really about recognizing that not because I do realize I say this in the book that I was contributing to the stigma for many years, you know, just saying when some people would come to my audiences and say, "Oh, I'm so anxious," and I and and they were someone that was suffering from an anxiety disorder with a diagnosis, and I'd be like, "Try this meditation," and like truly in that moment, that fucking meditation isn't going to work. They needed more. They needed psychiatric support, and then they could feel safe enough to let the meditation work. Mm. It's not it's not one or the other. It's if you need, you know, you may need many different paths and practices. But many of my readers out there, including both of you, I I assume, I'm assuming, are going to be very well served just by the breath work. And that's enough. But I want to be really conscious of honoring and respecting that person out there who's like, I think I need more than just a breath practice. Mm -hmm. That's not something I did for a long time. I I just didn't know enough about it. Mm. I tell a story in the book about how I'd asked two of my employees to, or they were my contractors at the time, to write a blog about their anxiety for my site. And one of them who was a longtime friend and you know, edited all of my books and was really, really close relationship, wrote about in the blog about how her psychiatric meds, her antidepressants had saved her life. And I swooped in and I was like, we're going to create such a debate on the website. Why don't I want this? I was so in that wellness world. Yeah. Like, you don't need meds. Whatever. And I had no idea how shaming that mm. was. Mm. And she was so heartbroken and, and because the meds really saved her. And the, one of the first people I called when I fulfilled my prescription for my medication was her. And I said, fuck, I'm so sorry. 
I had no idea how bad this was. Mm. And I had no idea how much I would need it. And I want you to go rewrite that blog to tell the entire story of how the medication saved you. And she also became such a tremendous guide for me as I started to titrate up on my meds and, and, and start to, to, to really go on that path. She was like, yeah, that's a normal symptom and this will happen for this. You know, she was so helpful for me. And, you know, I can see now how much, how much shame I was bringing to this conversation mm-hmm. I knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because you guys have such an ear to this young wellness world and community, I really want to show the other side that you can be spiritual and be on Zoloft, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that you can be spiritual and take any form of medication that is properly prescribed to you if you need it. That you can be spiritual and take a vaccine. You know, I just, so, it's so important to realize that God is in all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been obsessed with that, releasing the dogma around anything because what's spiritual for me looks different than what's spiritual for you. And sometimes the most spiritual thing is like the farmer that lives on the farm and, you know, does, lives in nature. It's really like however you find God or however you find that connection to God is your own path to spirituality. And it doesn't mean it has to be green juices and kundalini and all these things. And we'd love, you know, we love to hear that. You're liberating yourself from that. And mm-hmm. I guess my last question is, how do you reconcile, you know, did you ever have a moment where you're like, dang, I'm really embarrassed or I'm really frustrated with myself for, you know, being that dogmatic or, you know, feeling like I induce shame upon that? Like, what was your process for dealing with those emotions? Because it's really bold of you to, to talk about that and to mm-hmm. say that story and to express that openly. And I really, really admire mm-hmm. that. When I first remembered the trauma, I remember I did a session with my speaking coach and I was like, I would talk in a month. I don't know. I'm going to get on stage. And I was like, but I know I need to talk about this. And she was like, slow down, sister. Do not talk about this until you are really, really in a place of recovery because you will reactivate yourself and then you'll be reactivating your audience. And I got to be honest, you know, there was a handful of times, you guys might've even been in the room where I would talk about something when I wasn't where I am today. Mm. And it would reactivate the audience. And I wouldn't realize, I didn't know then how to co-regulate. I didn't know then how to be a steady presence for folks that were you know, totally activated in my story or in somebody else's story. And you know what? I was doing the best I could and I completely forgive myself, but I'm going to write that wrong now by with this book, by being a steady, and I actually did write this, write that wrong while writing this book because I was, because of those experiences that thankfully were didn't end up in a bad place. They were just, you know, uh, like a little minor fuck ups, right? But I can look back and say, as I'm writing this book, okay, Gabby, well, you know that that story is going to be activating for somebody. So open the chapter with a disclaimer, you know, or give a practice right after it that says, okay, this is going to activate you. So let's take a deep breath and let's do this or remind them of the resources where they can call for help if they're feeling whatever it is. So just, it gave me the experience of knowing, oh shit, this is going to activate people. Let me take care of them now. And so you can't undo the past things that you may have messed up, but you can reprogram in the future. You can you can have a redo. Mm. And that's really the way that we can most valuably use our fuck-ups and forgive ourselves and do it differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Yeah, I'm just, I'm 
I'm in awe that you were guided to write this book mm-hmm. and release it at this time. I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of God because it's it's pretty, it's remarkable. And I'm so happy, no pun intended, that people are going to receive um, these messages during this time. So, you know, in closing, could you share with our audience who are going to be reading this book, just why right now, February, 2022, this book, these messages, and this particular work is so important for the present and also just the future that we want Mm. to create. It's divinely timed. We are living through a collective trauma. We need to begin to create an arsenal of tools to regulate our nervous system, to lead our internal system with love and compassion, to relate to one another with more curiosity and compassion and kindness and care. And most importantly, to really finally face into some of the energetic disturbances that have been forcing us to be in these extremely uncomfortable roles that we don't want to be in so that we can play more, so that we can have more joy, so we can have more fun, so we can bring more light to the world. You know, I was on a flight yesterday back from St. Lucia. I took a, took a trip for the first time in two years. I got on a plane and I was took a trip with, with two other couples and it was the best trip ever. And then we get on the plane and then the plane needs to be deplaned because there's, you know, three hours on the tarmac and then, you know, something's wrong with the plane and we all get off and we're in St. Lucia and there's like no food in the airport. In front of me is a reader and behind me is a reader. And I'm like, this is magic. Mm-hmm. And so, so thankfully I walk my talk girls because <laughs> I, the reason they identified me with my mask on was I was talking to the stewardess and I said, well, we need to make this fun. My we God, need to just choose to have a little bit of fun. And both of them were like, Gabby? And, you know, it was almost like giving a motivational talk on the plane. And I truly, truly, truly wanted to like get an audience in the airport. But I just made that decision and it allowed the crazy woman next to me to calm down. And it allowed the two girl, the spirit junkies behind me and in front of me to just, you know, make it fun and bring fun to their friends and their spouses. Mm-hmm. And it let the stewardess just chill out a little bit, which ultimately made her say, okay, you know what? I will do overtime to get these people home. So the ripple effect of one individual being led by that self-energy has the power to change the world. And that's my intention for this book is to help each individual who's reading this get closer and closer to that sense of self-care and self-energy so that they can have that kind of impact in their community. And then obviously far beyond that. Oh, we love you so much. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making the time, especially during a move out of your apartment and all the best with that and and the book. We cannot wait. So today is the day that mm-hmm. episode is out on book launch day. So, 222. Here yes, we are. Bye-bye. You're like, I have to do this. Born on 11. <laughs> you're born on 1111, right? I'm born on 111, yeah. 111, 111. And then you have 222. I wow. Mean, it's amazing. And all of your books are incredible. They've yes. changed so many of our community's lives. Mm-hmm. Your bestseller masterclass has been incredible for us. So we can't recommend any of your work enough. We appreciate you. We love you. And we're excited to see this book in the world. I love you guys. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much, Gabby. It was such a pleasure to talk with you about Happy Days, your new book, which is out 
today. And you can listen to Gabby on Almost 30. Just search Gabby Almost 30. Yes. Thank you all for listening. I have a really beautiful program that is enrolling now. It's called The Sacredness of Being Single. Wanted to just share that with those of you who have not heard, but perhaps find yourself in this season of being single and just wanting a deeper connection with yourself. This was the most transformational season of my life. So I'm excited to tell you about it. Go to almost30.com slash sacredness of being single. Open for enrollment until the end of February. We'll begin in March for seven weeks. Really looking forward to welcoming you all. And thank you to the sponsors for this episode. Uh, Each and every open, Buffy, Sakara, and Joybird are all brands that we love and use ourselves and are excited to share with you. You can find all discount information in our show notes, as well as on our website, almost30.com slash partners. We'll see you on the next one. We love you. Bye. Love you.